If you've invested in your business, chances are you've funded future growth potential through leverage and after filling out loan applications and undergoing credit checks. In the stock market, using debt is often called gearing. The new BetaShares Wealth Builder Funds, ASX ticker symbols G200 and GHHF, offer moderate gearing across Australian and global shares for investors who are comfortable with the higher risks associated with gearing their investments. You can discover how they work by visiting betashares.com.au. Please don't forget that gearing magnifies gains and losses, so read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Australian Business Podcast. I'm Daniel Golubev. I'm Jordan Kittis. I'm Owen Rask. We're here to help you make more profit, find work-life balance, save time, capital, and grow your business. Every week, we drop the best tax tips, marketing hacks, growth strategies, and methods to help you grow. If you haven't already, take the free Rask Business Course. Book a chat with me or Daniel at Grayspace. Or get in contact with us about business coaching. We also love hearing from you. So send us your questions and feedback using the resources found in the podcast player for each episode. Let's get into it. We're on the finance podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me just try this. <laughs> Daniel, welcome to this episode of the Australian Business Podcast. A few seconds late. We'll see no. if the logo changes while we're recording live. Yeah, thank you. I'll, I'll jump on the finance one if you want me to. No, there we go. There we go. There <laughs> we go. We've got the new logo. The Australian Business Podcast for anyone that's watching on YouTube. We are answering questions as we do like to do every uh, Friday at midday. We do say midday, but I don't think we've been on time once. So it's a loose um, midday. It's, it's, it's midday. It's midday somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but we've had some questions sent in, and uh, Jordan's not with us today. Um, so we're like, you've got the number two and number three uh, in order of uh, greatness. So Daniel's yep. number two, and I'm a distant third. I was going yeah. to say, I, was like, I wonder who's number two. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, it's definitely not me. So um, we're going to be filling in for Jordan this week, but we've got uh, some questions on buying a business, which um, they seem wrapped with the service that you have done at Grayspace. And then we've got a business checklist for someone that is new. But maybe before we get to all of those things, mate, what have you been working on? How's your week been? It's been good. It's been busy. Um, we're still sort of transitioning sort of this new key employee, which has been great. Um, Jordan's watching live, which is great. At least he's doing some. <laughs> um, so it's been busy. It's been good. It's been good. We've had um, a lot of inquiries this week, actually. Um, sort of new engagements. I think mm. people are leading into seeing this last call, sort of four weeks of the year. And like, oh, I'm going to finally get to those things I've been wanting to tick off all year. Um, and that might be, you know, transitioning accountants, changing bookkeepers, um, and starting to plan for a big hopefully calendar year of 2024. Mm. Um, January is a big month of change, but I think it generally starts in in December. Yeah. Uh, Jordan, send through your questions in the chat. Um, we know you have heaps of tax questions, <laughs> Daniel. Ask the really technical ones. Um, 
Yeah, but it's like that, isn't it? End of end of year. There's no other reason other than it's Christmas. People get a chance to sit mm. down and think about what they're going to do in 2024. If we, it's not the end of the year yet, but just thinking of this year versus say years gone by, would you say businesses that are coming to you are generally in better shape, worse shape, same same? Like anything that you're noticing? I think there's a lot more people giving it a crack this year. We're getting a lot more startups coming through. People that are finally almost taking that leap into self-employment. I think we're starting to see a big trend of people wanting to know more and do more. Traditionally, sort of when you look at sort of accounting firms, a lot of the clients are just like, you send in the best, they get their bill, they don't really want to talk, this, that, sort of just part of running a business. Now people are really valuing sort of the knowledge, the ability to grow. They want to actually know more, to be more. I think mm. it's it's actually fantastic to see the sort of, I think for me, it's the want. It's the, the want to know more. I want to do better. Whereas traditionally, it's just like, yeah, whatever. I do mm. what I do. I get what I get. Mm. Um, we were saying before, we were just chatting because Kate was uh, recording right for us. Thanks, Kate. Mm. Um, we were just chatting off air about how uh, people that are coming through the podcast and becoming clients of Grace Space mm. and how they're kind of... I f- we're saying, well, you were saying, take your words out of your mouth, that they're kind of like warming up to like us as kind of a, a trio and starting mm-hmm. to reach out. Like I know more and more people are signing up for the coaching and that sort of stuff and going on the wait list mm-hmm. and all that. But um, yeah, it's really good to see. Like we're getting a lot of engagement and hopefully, I, mean, I don't think we've spoken about this, but hopefully next year we'll be on the road again. And um, no matter where you are in Australia, we should be able to catch up because we're going to go, I mean, hopefully next time though, Daniel, you flew to Perth oh, and home the same day because a, Jordan had a Bucks party. That was a terrible decision. Yeah, I still feel that. like I'm recovering from from that trip. <laughs> the people in Perth are absolutely amazing human beings, and it's yeah. so good to get over there. So, yeah. um, hopefully, we can we can do that again next year, and um, all and up up and down the East Coast as well. So, hopefully, folks can come and meet us, and hopefully, we can have like some business focused sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where we met Alexander, who's been on the podcast a bit lately. So, oh, great! Yeah, so hopefully we can do a bit more of that. I did actually um, get some feedback from Jordan about a week or so ago, mm-hmm. um, and I thank you to everyone that's on Twitter or wherever you interact with us and gave us some uh, business book uh, suggestions. So Jordan gave me some. Um, I'm, this, this is not a business book, but just like it's a general FYI book. Mm. Clear Thinking by Shane Parrish. It's a really good book about decision-making and so on. Um, where are some of the more? Uh, other, oh, uh, Jordan gave me this one. That's a good book. Blue Ocean Strategy. Yeah. Um, I can't remember if he said to read that second or not, but um, that's a really good book. Um, I did order another copy of, copy of E-Myth, which is up the back there. I didn't grab it down. E-Myth Revisited, uh, which is a great book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Um, then there was this book as well, Scaling Up for Folks as well. I think this is like, this is more of like a, I haven't got into it yet. I don't know. If, have you read this, Daniel? It's actually sitting on the coffee table right outside in our office. Um, Jordan rates it, but because I'm not a, I don't want to say strong reader because it means I can't read, but because <laughs> I don't read that often, um, it's more of like a textbook. So it's, it is, very, yeah. it's very informative, uh, less sort of storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, Probably the four books. I'm taking Jordan's words out of his mouth now. He's not even here. Um, and I've read most of them. But uh, four books that I'd go with is Traction, 
E-Myth revisited um, and based on your recommendations, Scaling Up and Blue Ocean Strategy, fantastic books. Yeah. Um, there are heaps of others for marketing and such. Uh, for any coaches and managers, this book, The Coaching Habit, mm -hmm. that's a good one. Um, so heaps of books for reading over summer, um, which people can uh, find out. I'll put a I'll put a few links in the show notes. But, mate, we're going to talk about these two questions that got sent in. And the first one, I'm just going to hand it over to you because uh, this first one uh, is really interesting from Crafty Critter, which was, I won't, I won't go into huge detail, but um, I'm buying a business with a loyalty program in place. So we've had a lot of questions about buying a business. We've actually talked for everyone listening and who tunes in every week. Um, we are going to put together maybe later this year, or early next year, a business buying Bible kind of thing where it's yeah. like a checklist and a guide to buying a business. Mm -hmm. So if you want to know that, jump on the Grayspace uh, mailing list or just subscribe to the podcast because we'll share it in the next few months. Um, but they say, I'm buying a business with a loyalty program in place and there is nearly $17,000 worth of outstanding loyalty points. I would like to honor these as a from a, from a customer perspective, it shouldn't matter if the business changes hands, which I'd probably agree with. Yeah. But what options are you aware of that we could consider for handling this liability? Um, I say, love the podcast and the team at Grayspace have been amazing to work with. Thank you, Crafty Critter. That is not a planted question, but maybe uh, it may as well be. That's a fantastic endorsement. So what do you think, yeah. Daniel? Yeah, so I've actually approached this question with um, our now, now client, um, but I'm going to sort of talk more about just the issue itself rather than the full context, because I am aware of the full context. Yep. So obviously these loyalty programs are very popular, right? You jump on, you get free stuff yep. once you spend sort of X amount. And I agree with the comment that it should stand, that the customer shouldn't be sort of disadvantaged by a change of ownership or a change of management. Hmm. Which so, it, that can be, because sometimes there's terms and conditions, right? Of course, of course. So I, I actually agree to, in order to retain sort of face value and to, to retain sort of the, the loyalty of these people, I'll keep it. Next okay. part of that question, sort of, how do you go about it? Because right? yeah, if I'm, you're buying a business and there's like this stuff here, like, yeah. do you have to adjust for that? Yes and no, in my opinion. I think you need, I don't think you need to adjust for it if it's been disclosed from the beginning. If at the very beginning it's been factored into the balance sheet, we've, we know that liability exists. It has been completely disclosed from the beginning with the purchase price built in with that notion. Then no, I don't think there needs to be any action that needs to be taken at that point in time. It's whether you think the fair, the price of the business is fair. I think it's a problem when it's not disclosed but it's discovered at a later date, whether it's, you know, negotiating the contract, whether it's going back and forth with the terms and conditions, whether what stock to buy, what stock not to buy. Um, that's my issue. My issue is disclosure. Mm. I think I think if it hasn't been disclosed, which I know for a fact in this scenario, it was not disclosed. Okay. Initially, it was not disclosed during due diligence. And it's almost impossible to find out unless it's sort of spoken about or said, it's almost impossible to know about. So just, just to just confirm what this might be, because I don't know mm. the context. Mm. Could this be like, say, for example, you go to a cafe and they have those loyalty cards where you're like, you have a free coffee after six coffees or something like that? Spot on. That's exactly what it is. And then and I, after, I imagine that a lot of them don't account for that. 
Because how would you know? Well, you'd only know, the, the accountant will only know if we're told and we're told the value as well. So we'd be able to easily record it, but mm. we need to know about it and unless we're told. But uh, at the end of the day, like, people also need to understand that when you're selling a business. Local when, cafe, I'm holding up the, yeah. the stamps that I got this morning. Yeah. For coffees. When you're selling a business, you've got to prepare your accounts to be selling a business. True. Right? It's not it's not build like reporting to, sell, right? to the ATO. Yeah, you need to build to sell. Like you've obviously exiting for a reason. Like it's not like putting your hands up and go, oh, I'm done with this, I'm leaving now. I'm just gonna sell it as is. It's like no, no, you you need to prepare things. You need to get information together. You need to be able to start doing stock takes if you haven't done stock takes before. Like th- this is key information that you know buyers need in order to value your business. Mm. So it's not as simple as oh, I'm just gonna here, it is what it is, here's my tax accounts. It's like okay, well, cool. But Isn't wouldn't it be nice though to buy a business from someone that doesn't take the time to do that? Absolutely. Like, like if you could go in and you could figure out what's going on, assume that you could do that. Yeah. And this is the wonderful thing about private markets, about private businesses, is a lot of the times the people who are in charge of those businesses are not in any way organized. No. Or have things going on in their life where they're not able to run it to its full potential. Yeah, and they don't have the people around them to guide them into the right area. So it's not like they've got, like, you call it advisors, mentors, or uh, people around them to say, hey, I, I want to sell. It's like, all right, cool. Are you primed to sell? Let's get ready. Yeah, yeah. Let's get ready. Let's utilize everything we have. You know, at this point in time, it's like if you're running debatable expenses through the profit and loss, let's wait uh, six months. Let's wait them out. Let's wait yeah. them out. Let's start inflating as, this. As, let's getting a true profit to maximize it- your value. Are you saying like if, say, for example, someone's using, and a lot of business owners do this, they're using the old my cash, their cash kind of thing, like the don't know which one the business bank balance is, don't know which one, you know, all that sort of stuff. And then, Yeah, listen, office works comes through, it could be kids supplies. Like, yeah, uh, back to school sale. <laughs> how, how are we supposed to know? We don't yeah. get every single receipt, not if, like, especially for the little stuff. You're talking about thousands of transactions for businesses there around the year. If an accountant tells you to get a receipt for every single line item, they're lying to you. It's not possible. Yeah. It, it's just, it doesn't make sense. So at that point in time, your prime itself is like, okay, cool. Well, I'll keep my personal expenses to the side. I'll put them aside. Let's let's create value. Let's get a true profit. Let's start recording all our assets, let's start recording all our liabilities and make it a sellable product mm. so that a buyer can come in. And I can guarantee you, you're probably going to get more than what you're putting through now. Mm just by putting a little bit of effort in it. Then it might cost a little bit more with your accountant because it, like the accounts are far more detailed. Mm. But it's probably worth it in the end, in my opinion. So that's I think that's where the issue lays. It's not that it's not the program itself. It's a disclosure of the program. Yeah. Which so. is, it could be innocent or it could be deliberate. Um, I, don't I don't think know. it was deliberate. Yeah, I don't think it was deliberate. I think it was just like, a, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just selling. I think that's what it was. And now that we've got our hands on that information, it's sort of like, okay, cool, we need to capitalize. So you're saying if you're if you get presented the the, the financials, you see it in front of you, you're like, okay, that's the liabilities, these are the assets, this is the cash in the bank, this is the, the car or whatever mm-hmm. that's owned by the business. And you get those financials and you do your valuation and you're like, yep, bada bing, bada boom, that's fair enough. There's a liability on there. But if someone excludes that, that's where that's the problem. You're that's immediately problem. on the back foot. Well, absolutely, because sort of like, well, why? 
Why would you disclose it? Why would you, why would you wait for us to agree on a purchase price? Mm. Then tell me about it because I think it does affect it. Yeah. It also goes to like the, the vendors or the sellers, like, I guess, honesty and like, I guess them being forthright with you. Yeah. Well, um, at, least it, at least it came up now. I'm not sure if the question was asked or how it came up, but it did come up, which is yeah. good. But at the same time, sort of like, cool. Would have been great to know during all the questions we asked. So if I was trying to sell a business, I'm not, but if I was trying to sell a business, say, I don't know, say like I'm thinking like, oh, I'll buy it. <laughs> yeah, so like, <laughs> things are looking pretty good right now. Um, but I'm kind of like ready to transition out of the business and mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. So we're in November, 2023. And I'm thinking, well, I need to get all the financials in shape. Like Daniel's telling me to, would you be aiming for like, this time next year, 2025, like to clean the financials out, to enhance operations, to minimize costs? Or do they, or do buyers, in your opinion, like in private markets, when they buy a business, are they looking for like two or three years of accounts to be consistent? Yeah, like, we, we look for a couple of years. We look at a couple of years, but it's weighted heavier to the current performance. Yeah. Right. So we look at the prior years, but if we see like major differences, it sort of warrants a question if you see great growth, it's a good thing, yeah. right? But we need to know how it came about, where it came from, what the risks are. Is it a volatile business? Is it, you know, one that can do 5 million in one year, a million the next, 10 yeah. million the one after, and then back down to maybe 2 million? That's a very volatile business. I wouldn't be, I personally wouldn't be going into a business like that, regardless of the good sort of call it the good cycles that there might be there. So I think mm -hmm. from like, if you're wanting to sell, the longer, the better, in my opinion. So if like, even from the start, like if, if your goal initially when you're setting up is to sell, I would be structuring with an exit plan mm -hmm. and doing things in order to increase value at any point in time and constantly have the accounts ready to sell. It's interesting because like in, um, in public markets, like anyone that's like investing in shares or whatever, will know things like dividend yield or price earnings ratio. These are like m ratios of like the yearly profit to the share mm -hmm. price and whatever. And correct me if I'm wrong, but like in private markets and a lot of the businesses that you work with, imagine a lot of them don't use those metrics. They, they would maybe they do, but they might use like turnover metrics or like what's the industry standard for this type of business. They generally look at sort of return on investment and return on equity ratios more than anything else because the key here is to know sort of what return you can make if you were to buy a business of call it a hundred thousand. We need to know how long it will take to make that money back. And that's like what you would call sorry to get geeky for anyone, but like owner yeah. earnings, kind of like the cash flow that goes back to the ultimate owner. Yeah, yeah. So we'll do a bit of a sort of calculation in the back end. We'd probably work out what's called um future maintainable earnings, which is why we're looking at multiple years. So we sort of average sort of owner earnings over a call of maybe three to five years. The reason I say three to five years is because we look for trends. So if we see there was a major growth at year four, it's a bit irrelevant to reduce the future earnings by the prior years when we mm. know that there's been things taken to grow the business. So we'll do it over three years. But if we see the business has been averaging a similar turnover, in performance, major staff changes have been like, it looks like the same business has been operating with very little growth over the five years. We'll average it over the five years. 
Mm. So we work out roughly what the owner takings are on average. And that's our main sort of figure. And that's how we sort of determine how long will it actually take to return your investment to you. That's um, a lot better than some of the kind of strategies I've seen for people with these businesses. Sometimes like in service-based businesses, I know it can be like what they call the book, like Mm. the book of clients. Yeah, Yeah. that's, that's different. That's, that's recurring income. It's very, unless you're in the professional services game, a lot of the time, you're not really building recurring fixed income, if yeah. that makes sense. Like like as accountants, a lot of our pricing is subscription-based pricing. You tend to see that you don't change accountants very often. Some people yeah. do because they're not really happy, and I'm all for that. I think you need to find the right people to deal with. But once you find someone you're happy with, it's very difficult, even if you were to make some mistakes, even if services to drop off, if something was to go down, you generally don't leave. You don't see a big sort of transition of of clients. Yeah, so like it's, yeah, so it's fair to assume that the book value is a fair representation of mm. call it the business. Then you go for you know a few key ratios. Call it like your labor ratio. You know, roughly the percentage of turnover goes towards labor, and some opex. And so you're saying like. Right, let me just clear something up for people. A lot of people yes. that hear you say book value in financial world, they would think that means like the price to book ratio, which is something that's on the financial statement. It's not that. What we're referring no. to is the value of the clients, like the what a an accountant's yearly income would be from those clients kind of thing. Yeah, so you'd calculate the annual value per client. Yeah. So when it's a recurring income, it's very easy to do. You just type in the last 12 months for each client and that more or less spits out your book value. And then you would compare that to the, because it's a service-based business in this example, mm. you would then compare that to the number of staff that like the number of accountants in that firm that, that then you would have to buy and so on. Yeah. So you'd look at sort of full-time equivalents because obviously there's probably you know part-time staff here and there. So you look at full-time equivalents, then you go off the dollar value as well, working out, you know, what percentage of, you know, revenue does it take to actually complete the works? type in some operational side of things. But when you buy a professional business, you don't really sort of take that into account because you know it can be profitable and service-based. We don't have cost of goods sold. We got labor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. I feel like so anyone that's listening to this that wants to buy a business is knowing what metrics matter and how they happen. Like don't just take the financials and be like, oh, cool, that's good. Like, look at how those numbers end up on that page. Yeah, have meetings. Have meetings. Talk with the previous owner. So the more you talk to them, the more you ask them questions, the more you'll generally find out. And the key is to ask questions, not to talk over them. Sometimes you're better off just staring them in the eye, make them nervous and give them some empty space. Yeah. There's nothing like a pause. I do it all the time. Sometimes people probably think, like, is this guy all right? (laughs) Is this a a security guard? (laughs) Well, we did get called that once, didn't we? Yeah. What are these guys doing up here talking about accounting? (laughs) They took our tickets at the door. (laughs) (laughs) These are bouncers. Was that in Brisbane? Was that at the Brisbane event? I think Because you guys were doing the wristbands at the Brisbane event. I feel like it would have been. No, we did the wristbands at the Sydney event. Oh, yeah, you did too. We did it. But lucky we didn't talk at the Sydney one. I might have had an absolute anxiety attack with that many people in that crowd. (laughs) Um, I'm still surprised people listen to this, to be honest, sometimes. I just think we just talk. Um, 
that's why that's why people love it. That's why we love it. Yeah. Um. Okay. So if you're a seller, you want to know. Like, if you're a buyer, you want to know those things in you advance. You want to know everything. You want to know everything. You want to know too much. Yeah. The more you, as a buyer, the more you know, the more prepared you are for the situation at hand. But then conversely, if you're the seller, you want to know that that's your buyer. So you want to prep everything. So it's the financials are looking good. You know, if it's a service-based business, they're going to be looking at, like in the case of buying an accounting firm, it would be like, what's the average turnover per accountant? Um, so look at your operating metrics. Look at your efficiency per staff member yeah. and prepare that and optimize that before the sale to maximize your sale price. Because I feel like a lot of people like hear this and like, yeah, that sounds cool what these guys are talking about. But it could be the difference between hundreds of thousands of dollars or depending on Absolutely. size of the business, millions of dollars Absolutely. for operational t- tweaks that you can make now that pay off in two or three years. Mm. I, I remember like this, the book built to sell, but I feel like... Um, one of the best things people can do is always prepare their businesses if it was being sold. Yeah, I, I, it, I agree. I completely it, agree with that. It kind of like, it gives you a sense of, um, it gives you a sense of like taking nothing for granted. That's what I find. It's like when you think like that, you think, well, why wouldn't I be doing this, first of all? But secondly, you think that's going to maximize my profit. So that's a great thing. Of course, I should do that, right? Yeah. And a lot of people don't have the urgency to go and do that. So, yeah, Marco's just sent her a question. Marco, I feel like we're going to give Marco a season pass to the Australian uh, business podcast because he's here every week. We love it, Marco. So thanks for We the love question. the consistency. Yeah. Um, he's got a few gold stars for sure. Do you think using a broker to sell is better than selling directly, Daniel? That's for you, I reckon. Yeah, that's a tough question. I think it's a good question. Um, I don't think one is call it maybe better i think it's hard to say i think different industries (laughs) i think different industries there's different standards the sort of the 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 key positive with using a broker is the pool of people that are going to look at your Mm. ad to sell right so if you're looking to sell just to a large pool of people and you you're looking at a quantity of people that want to potentially buy a business then a broker is fantastic they have the resources they've got the contacts they've got more or less even the guide on what to do to sell. So brokers are a really, really good asset. However, they're not foolproof. They do come with a cost. They're sometimes overly motivated to sell because that's where the commissions are coming from, meaning that you may not be getting the full potential value out of your business. Same as a real estate agent, right? Sometimes it's quicker, it's better to turn over a property than it is to get the maximum value of the property by simply waiting a little bit. It might be the wrong yeah. time in the market. There might be massive changes, compliance changes happening in an industry, and it's probably better off sometimes pushing it, sometimes waiting. It really depends on what's happening. And I don't know if the broker is always going to be the best um, sort of person to make that judgment because the aim of the game is to sell as many businesses within the shortest period of time. So basically, a key value is their ability to go to market and to bring in buyers that you would just never be able to find correct or if you've never sold a business before and you haven't listened to us talk about you know priming your business getting your accounts together making sure that there's you know contingencies in place you're making sure that there's any um liabilities that aren't call it directly financial meaning they don't show up through transactions on the bank account that they're all being recorded properly that 
everything's you know primed so even having like an organizational chart of you know key employees their roles their divisions like that's all really really important mm -hmm. and actually structuring your business in a way that looks like a business not just i have a couple of employees they come in every day and i point the finger and tell them what to do and that's it we go home have an organizational chart have key personnel have people in there that can more or less run the business for you and create a business not a job again it goes back to that conversation as well because all of a sudden, if you've got a business and a part-time, not a part-time, but an owner can come in at a management level, not a technician level, all of a sudden your pool of buyers is increased. Mm. So there's all these sort of different factors. Brokers can help. And they, I have met some really, really good brokers. But like any industry, I've also met some really, really bad brokers. I'm actually just thinking like, I just, if you heard me typing, it was because I was thinking we should do a, um, like a pitch deck template for people. So you know what to put in a doc. So we can do mm -hmm. that as well. Um, because it, it could like, yeah, it's, it's seriously going to change people's lives. If you get this right, that's the reason you get into business. Like if you, if you don't want a huge payday at the end of starting a business, that's fine. You may not be motivated by money. Mm -hmm. You have to know what your exit strategy is. Yep. then you may as well not run a business and you just go and get sweat equity working for someone else's business, in my well, opinion. Yeah, well, I had a scenario, it was a, it was a business we purchased and I, I reckon we paid a tenth of what it was worth. Wow. I, I, to the point where I just said, just sign the deal. Don't worry about nothing, just sign the deal. This is not, this is a multi-million dollar company that's profitable and I think we got it for like a hundred grand. And it was... <laughs> As soon as I saw the financials and I saw the asking price, I said, sign it now, like, <laughs> just get it done. And luckily we did because he made his return back in like six months. It was unbelievable. And, he's about, and he came in at management level and all we did was structural changes, organisational changes. The person had the key people there. He just hadn't highlighted it. That's all it was. We saw everything. So we did a quick due diligence as quickly as we could, make sure we ticked all the right boxes. There was no liabilities. We signed over the warranties to the previous owner. It was the perfect deal. And all because he wasn't primed to sell. And it was, to be fair, the, the person was put under a little bit of sort of pressure from like a health point of view. It was like, I need money like yesterday. Like I just need to get yeah. out. This is this is how much I need and I, I need to go. And we're like, you know, well, we've got to capitalize on this. Take it, yeah. pay him. And let's take it and let's run with it. And it's to put it this way, we 80% of the purchase price was paid out as a director's fee that year as a wage. Shit. In the first 12 months, he's made 80% back of his initial investment as a director's fee. Has he been able to grow the business? Yeah. Straight away. Swapped out a few personnel, changed a few agreements, and straight away we've probably went up about 18% in profit just in a few key changes. So, and that's what I'm saying like this, that was no broker, no nothing, happens to be at the right coffee, at the right place, at the right time, at the right person. It was someone's friend and just got the deal sorted. And yeah, just, yeah. my client won, the other guy lost, all simply because one, he was put under time pressure, two, he had no documents, nothing. He was not primed to sell in any way, shape or form. There was no organizational charts. There was no processes. There was no structure. There was just a person telling people what to do. And although it may work short term in the business, it's not a sellable product at that point in time. You yeah, haven't created so a business. Personal risk, right? Yeah. yeah. And he was, this person was like, oh, I can't run this business, you know, without being there every day, even though I didn't do anything. It was just there. 
Mm-hmm. My client's come in who already has two other companies he works on. Goes, I know exactly how to put this under management. Few key changes. Now the owner's sitting home going, kicking himself, saying, "Oh, I could have done that." Yeah. Hopefully, he doesn't listen to this podcast. Um, I don't think he does. Yeah, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, maybe in the future, it keeps growing the way it is. Maybe you'll be listening then. Um, yeah, right. So, I think if you're looking to sell a business, then one option is to identify other parties in your industry who may want to acquire your business for strategic reasons, because often mm. strategic buyers pay more than Joe Blogs anyway. So, yeah. Um, well, if you've got someone that's like a, in a you know in your area in your industry that's like you can see them absolutely pumping just looking for growth 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 that's a approach great great opportunity to even approach them if you're wanting to get out so i can give you x amount of market share within this area like like that ready to go quickly uh, yeah just know your competitive but like your bargaining position in that instance i would say just maybe reach out to us before you do that sale because there are things you can do before you go directly to the person to make them think yeah, that your business is absolutely wonderful before you've actually well prepared. On their door. I think it comes back to everything we do is like having that plan, having the strategy mm-hmm. readily available to get to the result. I think a lot of people miss that in business, sort of like they just go with the motion of things. Just as things come up, there's no real goal or strategy. Yeah, so I think once 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 you have that, once you're clear with your directive, everything becomes easier. I think we've gone the longest we've ever gone without actually getting to the second question. So um, we should probably transition to that now. Let's go. Let's answer that one. Okay. Sir Ted the Third is what they've written in, written in with, which is a fantastic name, by the way, Sir Ted the Third. Um, you've said, as a complete green hat slash beginner, I have no idea what I have no idea about. Do you know of any checklists or workflows for planning and creating my business? I thoroughly enjoy processes and inner workings. However, I am struggling to put together a plan to set a time frame for establishing my hobby into my legacy business. So I put a checklist together for beginner uh, business owners. This is not necessarily for people that are looking to sell, which is what we're talking about. It is in the show notes already. You can just click uh, and there's a link down the bottom uh, for coaching, I'll bring it up on the screen for anyone watching. Um, there is a link down the bottom for anyone um, who wants to get in contact with Grayspace or myself. But basically, if you're starting a business, it's like why you're doing it, or even if you're running a business, why you're doing it. If you're not building it to sell it, then what are you building it for? Um, have you done the research of your industry? What are the admin or legal things you need to do? So, like, I heard of a business this week. Um, Great business idea, software business, or I should say like a platform software business. And they chose a name, registered it, and that old classic of you get the business name and you don't realize it. You think that that protects you, it doesn't. And then it wasn't even an exact match for the name, but there was copyright held by a similar sounding name. So that was enough for the lawyers to say, uh-oh, this isn't going to work. Um, speaking to your accountant up front, um, and you could probably get a second opinion on that as well, to be honest. Speaking to anyone and getting a second opinion is probably a good idea um, about the way you structure it, your licenses, doing all the research for your industry. Uh, in the document, I've said there's a checklist item for I've copied my competitors. And obviously the asterisk is don't just blatantly copy them, but 
there are very few points in business for originality. What I mean by that is like, you can just go and look at a hundred of the businesses in the market. If you're a plumbing business, what do they do? Well, just take the best bits from the best of them and see if you can incorporate them. Um, look what software you need. Just did the, the episode on websites and how to build one. Um, upcoming webinar on that too, by the way, uh, link in the show notes. Uh, what do you need team members to start? Do you not? Are you buying a business? Have you done a competitor analysis, designing these types of things? Equipment for physical businesses, all of the things we just spoke about, liabilities, tools and equipment, computers, offices, leases. There's so many things to know. So hopefully this little checklist helps people out if they're getting started. Um, Daniel, we talked about optimizing a business just before. Mm-hmm. I guess anyone at any stage could do that, right? I'll turn the screen off now. Yeah, definitely. I think start from the beginning. I say it's always easier. And I think, oh, I can't remember. I'm pretty sure it's Alex Homozi that said this. Is right now you're the least busy you'll ever be. Yeah, but yeah. So set your foundations right. Set your processes into place as you go. Is always the best way to do it because doing any change with 100 caller clients versus a thousand clients, it's always easier at the 100. Even though you might be the busiest you are or have been, it's probably the busiest, the least busy you'll be moving forward, especially if growth is a strategy for you. So set your foundations, make sure it's correct, start building things out. And I'm going to tell you now, it's not going to be perfect from the start, it's not even going to be right. Your end product mm-hmm. will look completely different. But what you have done is you've created a system where you're constantly tracking it and making those changes actively and you sort of it's it's a your result will be a byproduct of that mm. I, I you know that old statistics around like 50 percent of businesses fail after five years and mm. people tend to over exaggerate that but um yeah. but it's true a lot of businesses do fail i took that to mean when i was starting the company that i took that to mean the first thing i should do is figure out how not to fail so like, how can I get through the first year? So a lot of people like will disagree with me on this, but having business plans that are like multi-year business plans, I did not have that. Mm-hmm. I had a vision of where I wanted to be, but I did not sit down in year two, I'm going to hire this person at this time. Cause I was like, I can barely predict what I'm going to eat for breakfast tomorrow, let alone what I'm going to do in like 14 months. But what I will do is I will research the industry better than anyone. Mm-hmm. I will make sure I know all of the key risks that could kill the business. So licensing, insurances, uh, you know, getting the right people on your team and your side and spinning up a website. How do you do that? Like the the key things you needed to build a business. Um, And I wanted to avoid the the three big mistakes. I talk about that in the free course we've got, by the way, plug there because they were after resources. There is a free course. It's in the show notes. Check it out. Business course. There's 4,500 people, 5,000 in there now. Um, go and check it out. But anyway, um, I, I, I took that to mean that. And then as I've evolved in thinking about business, and it goes to exactly what you were just saying, is simple is beautiful. Like, you don't need to over-engineer things. I have engineered this legal structure, had like three companies for this and that and this and that. Yeah. Didn't need it. I had different software for this and that and this and that thinking that that would be perfect. Don't need it. You know, like if you even look at like, say like people look at like Netflix and say, what an amazing technology company, Mm. total game changer, revolutionary. They didn't automate a lot of the things in the early days. The same with the Reed Hastings, Um, you know, LinkedIn, 
it was manual until they decided it was worth automating this thing. Yeah. And as you said, they, they were aware of the things that they had to do, but it was a trade off of like, we can't do that right now, but we'll prepare for it in the future. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so in the early days, yes, I agree with you 100%. And you'll have heaps of time. But at the same time, you don't know what you don't know. You also don't know if you'll have enough resources at that mm-hmm. point in time. So just prepare as best you can. I think the way to prepare is to keep things simple. Yeah. And yeah, I, I agree. And I think for any beginner looking to get into business, traction, jump on there. From a strategic and goal-setting point of view, there's like their, their VTO system so yep. their vision traction organizer um which you can google as well it does come in sort of um online platforms that will help you because i think it's easy for us to sort of turn around now that we've gone through the process and done it and say oh you know just plan for it so, yeah. or how you know yeah. early on i would have struggled as well if i hadn't got onto this book nice and early into our sort of business journey sorry let me rephrase that if jordan hadn't got me onto this book yeah. Early on, Mr. Reader goes, this is the one book you have to read. We, we, we cannot proceed unless you read this. So, <laughs> Three years later, like, yeah. 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 <laughs> Honestly, it probably took me way too long to read as well. But it was a good read. Um, and I think everyone can get use out of it, especially early on, because it just creates almost like that um, an understanding of what we mean by plan for it or strategize for it. So we talk about it all the time, setting those, call it the 12 month and three year goals or five year goals, and then having your rocks to track your progress. So these are, these are things you put into place that you have to do in order to achieve your goals. Mm-hmm. That's as simple as you got to start. Obviously, do the, do the main checklist, like I, I saw your checklist, and those things are a must from a compliance point of view. But from running that business operationally, start there. Just set a few little targets. Like you said, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Just start, test your concept, make some money, and then adjust as you go. Mm. Like it. I think we've come away with, from this episode, we've come away with more things to do in the future for everyone that listens. Things like we're going to, I committed us to this, a pitch deck. We'll, a lot of people, when they think of pitch deck, they think of venture capital, which is like, hey, yeah. look at this. I've got an app that's going to make people lose 40% of weight for the next 20 years. Give me $40 million tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's got no revenue. We haven't built it yet. Um, but your $40 million will help. <laughs> actually, I've been through this process recently. It's like at the end of the financial year, I've just taken a look at our accounts and I'm thinking of like, I've got to do an update for our shareholders. And I'm just like, how much profit did we make this year? How much revenue? What have we focused on? Um, but I want to condense that down into just a few pictures yeah. um, and hand that to the, the shareholders so they know straight away like they don't need me to they don't read like 10 pages to understand what we're working on they can see it visually they can see our progress yeah um and it only needs to be like four or five i guess charts and graphs that kind of encapsulate your business and that allows you to just know what to articulate what's important uh there is a webinar coming up on how to build a website i'm going to show you how to build a website alexander who from um uh, Mid Coast Yard Services needs a website, Daniel. So I'm going to build a website with him end to end. Oh, that's sick. I'm actually going to, I'll tune into that one. Even um, how to, uh, like I set up the email addresses and stuff that yep. you need if you're starting a business. We'll do that in under 60 minutes. Yeah, because it's, uh, harder, it's harder than you think. It's like, oh, yeah, I just set up an email address. 
It yeah. is not that simple. Yeah. So I'll show you exactly how to do it using the Google ecosystem, mm. um, lightning fast website. And then um, we, we will be doing a bit of a summer series as well for folks. So if you are tuning in or you're going to start a business or you just want to refresh uh, your knowledge of business, that will be coming up in January. Um, we'll be doing a bit of a session there and it's going to be heaps of fun. Um, hopefully Jordan will be back with us and uh, leading the charge there because he's the, the master in chief. Um, and if you want to get in contact with Daniel and the team, if you're selling a business, buying a business, um, do it. Grace Space Advisory. There's a link in the show notes below the video if you're watching. Thanks, Marco, for rocking up live. As always, mate, we really appreciate it. If you haven't subscribed yet, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Daniel, absolute pleasure, mate. Thanks for, thanks for taking time out of your day. Love it. Thanks, Owen. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Business Podcast. I think this series is best served with my free business course on RASC education. My free course includes all of my notes, templates, employment guides, legal documents, marketing strategies, software recommendation, and ideas for starting and running a small business. Finally, if this podcast or the course helps you, I only ask that you please help me by sharing it with one friend, colleague, or family member who runs a business. Thanks for listening.